Isn't the Lord good? Isn't he awesome? Man, powerful. It's interesting that the that Pam's out there at the table today because that film is used. Um, Bruce Toll, one of our elders, is um, near Liberia or in Liberia, Africa right now, and um, with a, a missionary named Kim. And he closed out service a few several months ago, if you remember him. And um, they used that film to go into these villages, and they put up a projector. And um, man, then the next day they go back and they baptize, and it is being so transformative um, and, and sharing the gospel and leading people to Jesus. Um, then what they do is they raise up leaders in those villages, and they pastor their own village, and they give them a building, and then they run from there. And they've done this time and time and time and time again. Um, and then so many things are happening. They're meeting the needs of the people, but... Uh, more importantly, the gospel is going forward. So it's cool that the timing of that is today, while Bruce is probably being part of that in Africa right now. Um, so very cool. All right, Nicole had a few announcements for me to include uh, that I don't think made it. I will read them. Support LifeWise at a community dinner at Tip Global Methodist from 5 to 6.30 on Wednesday, March 6th. So uh, LifeWise, it's got incredible momentum here in Tip City. Uh, one of the age groups meets in this church on Tuesdays, and uh, it's just phenomenal. Nicole is one of the teachers, and the stories that she's sharing and, and kids giving their hearts to Jesus, feeling loved, feeling the love of the Father, uh, it's been pretty incredible. So uh, there's a benefit in a dinner March uh, 6th at Tip, downtown Tip Methodist. Um, my screen just went blank. Let me momentarily here wait for this to update. Annual business meeting, March 10th, right here, after church on a Sunday. So it'll be about an hour. Um, so we'll try to include as many people as we can. If you, if you want to attend, we, we encourage you. We talk about um, the finances of the church, some of the direction of the church, some updates. Uh, and then always you get to vote on a few things as a body of what the elders have already voted on. So uh, that is March 10th, directly after service on a Sunday here. Last thing, um, upper room, uh, we got to be a part of, and I know Steve helped coordinate and, and do a lot of this, but we got to be a part of treating all of the transportation department of the TIP schools to Mexican at Dos Lunas this past week. And it was phenomenal. And I know the updates and the school system, how much they love, how we love well. And what better way, the Bible says, how will they know you're my disciples? By what? By your love. So by the love that we show, they'll know we are Jesus people. So um, we got to treat the, the bus drivers and all transportation department to a lunch and um, just to honor them and thank them for all they do. So very cool ways to, to just spread the good news of Jesus, of who he is. All right, two more things before I get straight into this. All right, one is thank you. Thank you for your grace in the season of life that Nicole and I are in with, with teenagers, with girls in volleyball. We have th four daughters that play volleyball. Three are in three different clubs right now, which is our version of like recreation volleyball, um, off season or, or whatever you would call that. Um, so we, we, last week, three of us, and I know um, Josh was like those, the category of people, those who miss um, the opportunities and things that's happening on Sundays. I, I, I was watching live. I was like, I'm not missing it at all, Josh. I'm right here. So anyway, we're, and I know Nicole's watching live right now, um, but thank you that we get to, that you have the grace on us, that knowing we have responsibility here, knowing we get the pleasure of leading as pastors, but that you honor us enough that our first ministry is unto the Lord and our second is our family. So thank you for not that pressure. And um, yeah, thank you. 
I like to say that at least once a club season, so that way when you only see me 50% of the time, you know it's because I'm loving and encouraging my daughters and being part of their world uh, to make sure they know they are the most important people in my life. I've met with several people lately um, that are having some family things, marriage things, or whatever, and uh, we're just wanting to be better at who they are. And, and I just continually just encourage them and tell them the question I ask Nicole often is, how can I make you feel loved and more valued? And then we ask our kids, and I ask Nicole this, do you feel like you're the most important person in my life right now? And let me expand on that. What I don't want to do is get through a system. Something's happening. It's happening. Spirit of uncomfortableness. Okay. Can we pray for our pastor? Is it all right? Yeah. Can I pray? Is, that, is it okay? I thought my mic was going out. No. I was like, I, I think I hear myself fine. But yeah. Just me being uncomfortable. So. Yeah. There's a, there's, if you've been here long enough, you'll realize that there's a special call on this family from Pastor Greg, Matt, Leah, everyone that has built this church from nothing. And people giving up their homes as collateral on the building. And it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And there's not a lot of um, churches that have dual, um, what do you call it? Bivocational. Bivocational, thank you, yes. Yeah. Bivocational staff. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure that goes with that. Okay. And then running a family and things like that. And so the enemy I feel like the enemy would try to come in and cause rumors and gossip and division and just the normal kind of bad talking about the leaders and the pastors and why weren't they here and blah blah blah. And I just want to cancel that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember. Over you guys. And we'll just pray, pray for them real fast and their family. Lord, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the Simmons family. For our leaders, God, I just pray that you'd continue to give them strength. Continue to give them clarity. Lord, I thank you for your spirit of wisdom. Lord, that it's all over this family. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence this week, this season of time. God, that you would be able to come in with a fresh wind upon all of them. Protect them, Lord. Lord, I thank you just so much for their heart. God, and just for their willingness to plow. I, the whole, Pastor Greg and, and Matt and, and Leah, Lord, all, just everyone, Lord. Just the whole Simmons family, what they've done here. What you continue to do through them, Lord. And I just bless them. Cancel any fiery dart of the arrow against them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I had a picture. We had a retreat recently, and Josh was like, I just feel God making me want to be uncomfortable right now. And he put on this blanket, and he's like, it's like a prayer shawl or a cloak. And, and he began to do this thing. So uh, two weeks ago, when we had, like, the extended worship after service, um, somebody, I think Ty came up to me. She handed me flags. And I was like, oh, I come up to Josh, I whisper, I was like, this is my prayer shawl. And I'm like, I felt so uncomfortable doing the worship flags, but it was pretty awesome, it was liberating. And uh, so anyway, thank you, thank you guys. Back to thank you, thank you for your grace, mercy. We love you, we're still leading this church, but um, I'm, I miss some Sundays to put my family first. So thank you for that. Last thing, Jamie Van Gelder uh, is a dear, dear friend. 
of, of mine personally as well as this house. He will be here next Sunday uh, preaching. So he's from Minneapolis, has a ton of wisdom, great story, incredible man of God, and, but more importantly, a friend and a brother of this house. Uh, a lot of his prophetic words and a lot of nudges and encouragement and uh, boldness has, has helped us become who we are. Um, matter of fact, the building project that's going on, he was one of the first ones that started, saw a vision of that and is like, you need to go for it. So um, you'll be in for a treat. Okay, Josh Haas preached an incredible message last week. It, I feel, and, and, and now I'm going to reach his love language, bragging about Josh to you in front of Josh, about how amazing he is, all right? That's Josh's love language. His number one is tell me how good I am to others in front of me. So, so Josh is awesome. But I feel like, yep. Oh, look, look at him. He's just like, he's, his heart's getting full. And he is that cool. But I feel it was a Rima word. It wasn't, and like he's, he's preaching and, and praying like Holy Spirit against the spirit of boredom and all this stuff during the message. But I feel it was a Rima word because we had some crazy things in an anointing fall the week before. And if you weren't here, um, you, you didn't miss out. He prayed about that last week. If you were here, you, there, there was all these different categories of maybe where you fell. He unpacked that so well, and he offered that to the church. He explained it so well, but then he offered an invitation, no matter where you are on the spectrum of walking with Holy Spirit. Whether you're not yet walking with him, you're walking with him, you're close, you, you, you operate in signs, wonders, gifts, miracles, all that stuff, or if you just, it freaks you out. Either way, like, like the Lord used Josh, I feel, to give us a powerful word. But I, there was something that stuck out, and I had like a message that I had canned that week. And I had hit the easy button. I was like, I'm just going to preach that the next time I preach. I don't even have to prep. Like, I'll just lean into it Sunday morning, all this stuff. And then he preaches that word. I was like, it was, it was a lot of kind of what I was going to say, but in a totally different way. And I was like, I can't go there now. So all week, I'm like, how, where do I go from the week we had and then what he spoke? And I feel like the Lord is going to connect some dots here. Um, but I, I just, there was one thing that pulled out that I'm just kind of started running with uh, later in the week as I listened to the full message again. Not, he said this, it's not about pursuing manifestations. We're not pursuing gifts. We're not pursuing what fire should be. And he said this, fire is what he makes it in you. That's a quote Josh said. Fire is what the Lord or what he makes it in you. And then he says, just pursue Jesus. And I wrote that down because that's, that's our heart and that's what we've been leaning into as a leadership group is that we just pursue not, not the stuff from God, but we pursue God himself and then the stuff comes. Whatever it is, if it's fire, if it's baptisms of Holy Spirit or signs, wonders, miracles, giftings, prophecy, all that stuff is, is from who the Lord is, but we want to pursue him and then get that, right? It's not pursue those things and then hope God's in the process. So that stuck with me. So, and he says, and when you don't know, just hold on to Jesus. That's what Josh said. His, one of his quotes was, when you don't know, just hold on to Jesus. And um, so it reminded me of this thing of like holding on to Jesus. And, and it goes along, if you, if you remember, our, our invitation for the year was Psalm 24. We're going to read it in a minute. That's the invitation. But then the focus was John 21. And it was fire. Anybody remember? Fire, fish, bread. So that was part of it. We've been kind of stuck on this fire for a little bit. Maybe once Jamie leaves, we'll, we'll move on to something else. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, when Josh said that, I've been telling a lot of people about Peter. And Peter, in the context of John 21, I mentioned this one of the last times I preached about he, like, 
got out of the boats, went to shore. Jesus is calling them in for breakfast, right? They're cast their nets to the other side. This is John 21. And there were so many fish. They're trying to pull them in. Peter, just like so excited, he knows it's Jesus. He just swims to shore or gets to shore and finds Jesus. It brought me back into what I've referenced too is our friend Scott Thompson preached this message here once about even when you fail, when Peter stepped out of the boat to walk on water, that when he fell, he found the very thing he needed and was looking for, the hand of Jesus. And, and it just reminded me of what, what, what Josh was referencing, that, that I think sometimes it's just about, it's not about what we're doing, it's not about the gifts, it's not about the anointing or, or whatever, it's, it's really about just submission, obedience, stepping out. And I feel like that's, that's what we're in stride doing right now. Josh coming up here, I'm just going to get uncomfortable. It's just stepping out of the boat because it's not about perfection, it's about the process. It's, it's not about, it's about his promise, you see? And I think sometimes we, we focus on Peter failing and all this stuff. No, he stepped out of the boat and he found the very thing that was the most important in all of eternity, the hand of Jesus, who he is, it's Jesus. So I think that's what we're on this journey doing is like we're in process, we're, we're, we're not perfected yet, we've not arrived as a church, me as a person, I don't wanna come to this thing like, like we've got it together. You, you see our kind of stuff messes up? Last, last time I preached, I kept saying chafe instead of chaff. <laughs> He's going to separate the chafe from the wheat. Like over and over and over, no one stopped me in the midst of that. <laughs> Chloe spoke at chapel this week and uh, stumbled on a word. And, and uh, I, I told her, I was like, I've done worse things and all this stuff. And I was like, um, it just makes us that we're not perfect. First off, that's humility and it helps us. <laughs> It's not rehearsed and programmed. I came in two Sundays ago and just scrapped my entire plan and said, because the Lord said, it's not about your plan. Preach my presence. So you get the raw part of us. And and we're not ashamed of that. But, you know, we want to be excellent. We want all that stuff because in his presence is excellence. But the reality is this is who we are. And we're running after Jesus. And we don't care what happens as long as we have his hand. We want to step out of the boat. We want to just be obedient and submissive to him and walk in faith, not by sight, so that we can pursue the things that, that, are, that are important to him and that the Lord is breathing in this season for us and this group right now. Does that make sense? I think sometimes we can, we can try to copy off of other churches or program or if it's this or that or this is trending right now. That's just not who we are, but we just want to pursue Jesus and he'll create the trends of who we are in this moment right now. And then let me just say, it might change week to week because the group of people that are here right now isn't going to be the same group that might be here next week, all right? Especially since COVID. <laughs> There's so many of you watching online right now, and that's, that's incredible. So next week, there'll be a whole different group. The core will be here, and there'll be some other floaters and people who aren't traveling or sick or at work or whatever the case may be. But we're just honored for who comes week to week, and we're just excited for what the Lord has in store. So let's go to Psalm 24. And I promise I won't say chafe. If the word comes up, I will say chaff. The youth group, when, we, when Nicole and I were leading the youth group, um, they actually had a journal going. It was an actual notebook of words I would make up, words I would say wrong or say in the wrong context. I don't care. It's all right. That just meant they loved me and held me accountable. Corey, you might have one. They might not... At least they told me that it was going on. They're like, we're adding it to the journal. I wonder whatever happened with that. 
All right. Psalm 24. This was the invitation for the year. And we're going to go somewhere here with this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. Now, here we go. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Everybody say hands. hands. Say hearts. Who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. And then uh, we were at a leader retreat, and I just started yelling this part at a campfire. I won't do that today. I'm tempted. I'm actually tempted, but I... Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. Do I have any office fans in here? I so bad wanted to do the Dwight, the Dwight Schrute Salesman of the Year Award. Hey, open up, you ancient... <laughs> if you don't watch The Office, you're going to be spaced. But here's the deal. I want to read this part again. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Turn with me to Mark 7. Mark 7. It's all going to connect. We're going to do some ministry. It's going to be awesome. Mark 7, 1 through 23. This caught my eye and my attention and my heart um, during the one-year Bible recently. I, I sometimes don't know if I'm behind or I'm ahead. I just keep reading. And then, like, on Saturday, I'll look at where I'm supposed to be. I'm like, am I there or am I not? And so far, I've been ahead. So, uh, but I can't remember if you're on the one-year Bible where this fell. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of, the religious law, of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by the ancient traditions. Similarly, they, do, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. But this is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, I want to point out, this is a ceremonial ritual, not for sanitization, not, not for cleanliness or, or whatever. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked, them, asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote... These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. They've put the secondary things over the primary thing. They've put the stuff over who and what is most important. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold up your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of, of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents 
And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled from what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you, far from within, out of a, far from within, out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. <sighs> Go to Psalm 51 with me. Verses 10 through 19. Then we'll get to some meat here. Is that okay? Is that all right? I might even add some section in Matthew I wasn't planning on. All right. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may what? Praise, Praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered to, in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. This is a good connection, all right? Um, not my connection. The Lord is connecting something here about the heart, all right? And if you think about even, because we, we want to burn for him. Let, let me just kind of tell you where I'm going here. Let me do a hold apart here for those hold apart learners. Um, the, the thing is, we want to burn. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the fire of God and burning from the inside out. And, and, I, and I want to burn for him. But sometimes there's these practical things that stand in the way that I don't even know what to burn for. I don't know how to burn. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't even get through my day without being sad. I can't get through my day without being angry at somebody or something or a system or whatever. So all of a sudden what happens is we don't have that pure heart to see from heaven's eyes because there's things that are happening in our heart that get in the way. So, so, so here's this connection of, of who will ascend the hill, those with a, with a pure heart and clean hands. And then we go, to, we go to Mark and we see Jesus teaching and he's confronting the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders of the time. And he's saying, it's not what goes in, it's not what goes in your mouth, it's not these ceremonial traditions, it's your heart. You worship and you worry about polishing the outside of the tomb or the cup and another reference, but the inside is rotten. If we go back to David when he was selected to be king, the, the, they're telling, the Lord is telling them, don't look at outward appearance. Don't look what's happening on the inside because the Lord looks on the, on, don't look at what's happening on the outside because the Lord looks on the inside. It says man judges outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. And what was David known for? A man after God's own 
heart. He was messed up. If you go through the Bible and you see these stories and you see who the Lord used and even the 12 disciples he picked, these are some jacked up individuals. To say the least, you look at even Saul to Paul. You, you look, look at some of these, 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 I would call them heroes of faith in the Bible. You look at David. As kings were supposed to be off at war, he's gazing across rooftops, lusting after women, and then murdering husbands so he can have the women. This is, but, but he was a man after God's heart. It, it's, it, it's jacked up. It's weird. It's messed up. Sometimes I can't even explain it. But then it puts me in check to say, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for those who want to go through the process. He's not looking for those who have perfected and are walking right and, and who are always not messing up or saying sin-free. He's looking for people who want to be after his heart. I, I'm in process. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still on this journey called life. I'm still in this faith journey. I'm still asking the Lord questions. I'm still processing these things. I'm still, I, I've not arrived. I'm not perfected. I'm being made like him in his image, but I'm not perfected. I'm not there. So, but the reality is like, but I long to be. I want to be. Paul, even times, he's like, he says, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And I'm not validating these excuses and this greasy grace thing just to mess up. Like, like even when the Jesus would heal people or when Jesus caught the woman in adultery, he said, go sin no more. It wasn't this free pass to do whatever I want because I use an excuse that I'm a human. No, it's like, no, I want the heart of Jesus. I want my hands and my voice and my lips to represent the heart of Jesus. Let me get off on a couple rabbit trails here. God wants our hands and our voices to burn and to reveal him. However, we won't if our hearts aren't burning for him. I can't reveal him if I'm not burning for him. Let, 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 me, just, let me just kind of put it in some other words. We can't burn with him if we don't burn for him. And we can't give something that we don't have. Freely I give. Freely I receive. Freely I give. I receive grace, and the Bible talks about the more you receive grace, the more grace you can give because you understand there's this river that's flowing of what I'm receiving freely in love and grace and mercy. As I receive these things and I walk from my story and my testimony and I walk into that, now I can freely give that. It's the same thing with, with, with what we're saying here with this heart for God. See, we want revival, but, we, but we, do we have a burning heart? I once heard somebody say, like, you're praying for a revival, but do you want to pay the cost? Do you really want the cost? Are we seeing from his perspective? Are we loving and laying down our life? Are our hearts burning for God's desires, or are they just ours, and we want to see more people in seats? Do we want to see things more of what we want to see? Or do we really burn for revival and we really care and we really love and we really get down to the gritty? Let, let me put it in another way. We won't have a hand or a voice in it if we don't have a heart for it. We're supposed to have this voice and we're supposed to have clean hands and a pure heart. We will not have a hand in it, in that culture, in that influence, in that sphere, in that mountain or whatever you want to call or in that person's life if we don't have a heart for it. I read a book once in, in the minister. He said, uh, you will never have authority over something you don't love. You won't have authority in that realm you don't love. It doesn't mean we agree with things. It just means we love. Now, let me get to the story here. It's done a beautiful thing, and it's been an awful thing. You ready for it? He gets us. 
I've seen more in tabloids and more in Christian media and social media on he gets us than the Super Bowl itself. Some good. Guys at work, I walk in a station the day after, and one guy says, what'd you think about that he gets us commercial? And I'm like, well, and I, we, we just begin a dialogue, and I said, I, I liked it. I felt the Lord on it when I first watched it, and then people started picking it apart on, on both perspectives. And mostly the Christian perspective was that you were almost um, making it okay for the sin of the feet that they were washing and leading to saying that should be transformed lives rather than the dirty lives. And then you get the other perspective, well, it depicted and put down culture and society and those who are in that sin. And then there this became this big divide over a commercial that probably had a pretty good heart of intention. And so it got in, but it created great dialogue. So me and two guys at work, we're in this deep, deep, deep conversation. And when I'm talking about the grace of God and who Jesus is and the feet he did wash and how he related to people. And then the guy's like, well, I grew up really with a religious background. And, you know, I definitely can see this side and like how they're just like saying that's okay. And, and I was like, I don't know that they were saying that, but I can see where you're coming. And, and all of a sudden we're in this 20 to 30 minute conversation about the he gets us commercial. And then I go to social media and everybody from both perspectives are putting it down. Now, I'll tell you, and then at the same time, I'm talking to my daughters, and they're talking about some things, and I've seen this Instagram account that takes, um, just depicts very short minutes of sermons on ministers, and then has hundreds of thousands of followers turning them against them and saying not to follow them. So... You have these things going on in, in, our, in our body. You have these things going on in the world, and you have the world against the body, the body against the world. And all of a sudden, all of us in that mix, if we're in it, have lost the heart of the Father for who people really are. So I said to my girls, because they were heartbroken because some of the things got brought up are people that we know personally. And there's some people, and, and I'm telling you, you Google anything, and they take a snippet of my conversation, a snippet of even my dad talking at a hearing, or, or whatever it might be, and you can paint a picture against anybody. Because we're only seeing a glimpse, and that's the bad thing about social media. It, you see a perspective, a glimpse. Usually there's a filter on it anyway, and it's not reality. But here's the thing. The body was never meant to be turned against one another. The body was meant to have the heart of the Father. So, so here is what I said to the girls. I said, and, and we had this run rampant in our youth group when Nicole and I were passing. There was this minister, and he was very, very famous, especially in a traditional religious realm, turning people against any charismatic, Holy Spirit-driven, or any type of movement of Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, we, we started having to have these conversations, which were good, but it was turning people against ministry. And it was turning people against God. And it was turning people against Holy Spirit. And turning people against the body of Christ. And we had to go through this. Destiny, you remember that? Yeah. I wasn't going to say the name, but yeah. Yeah. And it was absolutely devastating in our youth group. Because here we are presenting the biblical context of who Holy Spirit is. And they're watching this guy turning people away from Holy Spirit. So I told my daughters this. I said... Why would we focus a ministry against people when we can focus a ministry for Jesus? 
Why would I position people against other ministries and other churches and other denominations and other pastors? If, if whatever, I don't even care if I don't like that style. If they're preaching the word and Christ crucified and resurrected, why would I disturb that? Let me go a little further. The Bible says not to. The world has enough division, and I know that the Lord wants to return for a unified bride that's beautiful and loving one another. And we've got these bigger issues that are dividing culture and these bigger issues that are dividing the church, like homosexuality and abortion. We don't need the little ones to divide either. The Father has a heart for these things. And, and, and I'm just, I'm like, I want my ministry to point to Jesus, not people. I want our church to point to how good he is, not how bad people are. I want a ministry that's focused on singing about him and worshiping him and preaching about his goodness and how his heart is amazing and how I want his heart and how his blood cleanses and covers and his blood is powerful. I want a message that, that is about his grace, about his goodness, about his resurrection, about the promise of his return. But I see these messages on the commercials and all this stuff and we get tied up in the secondary things of the ceremonial traditions rather than focusing on getting out of the boat and finding his hand. It's the unity of the bride and I'm not condemning anybody. This has been on my heart for a couple weeks now and since Super Bowl. My wife and I and our kids, we see this commercial. I'm going to get off on this in just a second, I promise. We're like, this is amazing. They use this time and then, and then all of a sudden it wasn't hours later than it's like, why would you waste that money for that? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? Why, why is it those people? And I'm like, I think we're missing the big point. I think we're missing the point that our eyes should be on Jesus, not each other, not that, not on what he's not doing, not on what the enemy is doing, but what God is doing, who he is. Let, let, me, let me get into the meat of this now. Jesus has not just won the battle, he's won the war. His blood speaks a better word. I want to get into that in a little bit here, but I'll get back on track. Our hands and mouths are a reflection of our hearts, good or bad. How we serve, what we do with our hands, how we sow our seeds of, of, of generosity or whatever, that's a reflection of our, of our hearts. Our mouth is a direct reflection of our heart. See, and our hands, mouths, and hearts need to align, and they need to align to the Father's heart. Clean hands. Clean hands can only come from a pure heart. We pray for clean hands as if it's our hands that are in control when really that's a product of our heart. Okay, if you have a pure heart, you're not going to be drawn to click on those bad pictures or scroll on that nasty stuff. And if you have a pure heart, as soon as it even gets negative, you're just going to shut it off. It's not the hand that messes up, right? It says cut off the hand if it's sinning. It's not the hand. It, gouge the eye like, it's not those things so we're saying well give us clean hands no give us a pure heart and our hands will be clean clean hands come from a pure heart and these hands hold your hands out these hands are ministry machines if they have the right heart they are supposed to be casting out demons they're supposed to be laying hands on the sick they're supposed to be serving meals to the poor they're supposed to be serving those in need they're supposed to be lifted up worshiping and praising a good God these hands are supposed to be hands of pure hearts that are edifying the Lord. And let me get in the mouths. Mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. The mouth and the voice are meant to create a forest fire, right? Of life, not death. 
The Bible says it like this, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth is a reflection. It's a mirrored image of what's happening in the heart. Here's the other thing. It says, says, although a small member of the body, the tongue, a forest fire it can create. Now, it says there's life or death in the power of the tongue. So, So forest fires can be good or they can be bad. They can be very destructive and tear houses and neighborhoods and communities down. They can kill, right? But then there's also the purification of intentional forest fires. They will go out and they will do and burn the brush and burn the dead and burn out the the nasty, right? They will burn out the chafe. They will burn these things and separate the good from the bad. Thank you. Where were you two weeks ago? So it can be good or bad. That's the same with the tongue. But good comes from a pure heart. Bad comes from a bad heart. And that, that, that's the point. But our mouths, our mouths are ministry machines too. Our mouths were meant to sing praises. Our mouths were meant to edify the Lord and worship. Our mouths were meant to pray and intercede and, and, and sing and pray in heavenly languages. Our mouths were meant to share the gospel and the good news. Our mouths were meant to encourage our brothers and sisters. Our mouths were meant to, meant to reach the lost. Our mouths are meant to comfort, exhort, and uplift through prophecy. Our tongues and our mouths are meant to be good and a tool for the Lord. And coming from a pure heart, they will be. Coming from a bad heart, it won't be. I'm going to ask the band to come. I'm literally closing. Everybody say clean hands. Say my mouth. Say pure heart. Josh, he spoke on... um, I think there was five groups of people. I'm going to speak on four groups of people. I'm going to steal a little idea from Josh. It does remind me, I'm not going to read it, but it reminds me in Matthew 13, the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And there's seed, just, just to bring you up to speed, if, if you didn't grow up in church or know the Bible, there's seed that's, that's scattered on, on packed down ground or footpaths. There's seed that's scattered on thorny ground or, or, or ground with weeds and nastiness. There's seed that's scattered on, on thin soil but rocks at the bottom. And it talks about that these, these, even if they grow, then the sun comes out and withers them because there's not good roots. But then there's the good ground. And I believe a good heart is good ground. And things of the kingdom, things of the word, things of God's promises sown into a pure and good heart who's encountered him, then will grow good fruit and seeds. But at times, let me, just, let me just say, in these four groups of people, there's times where things have happened to our heart that prevent us from having the pure heart or get in the way. So then, without that pure heart, we don't see from heaven's perspective. We don't see God's plans. We don't see from what God's agenda or what his plan or even potential is. With a bad heart, we tend to see bad things. And I, I fall in this trap during the whole political thing and all that mess a few years ago and COVID. I had to filter out a lot of things on my social media, what I exposed myself to, because I was getting a hardened heart. And Jesus, when I got saved, I got delivered from hating people. <laughs> Straight up, for real. I hated people. When I encountered the goodness of God and I gave my heart to him and he, 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 he absolutely, without permission, invaded my heart, I began to love people. And I found myself a few years ago going back to that place because they disagreed or they were liberals or whatever. And thank God I came out of that 
the best that I can. I'm sure there's still seeds and things that I've exposed myself to and still things I see that. Now, there is a righteous anger that is good. There's a righteous anger that's healthy. There's a righteous anger from a pure heart that we can actually, when he saw the crowds in need, he was moved with what? Compassion. And he did something about it. So we see somebody suffering. We see somebody heading in the wrong direction. I'm not going to let my kid touch that hot stove, right? If there's wrongness happening, I'm going to stand up for righteousness. So, so, but there's this idea where I begin to position my heart against people. Jesus was in a time of a much more politically charged, violent culture than we even are now. And I just want to remind you that Jesus was not a conservative Republican. And he was probably brown-skinned. So, and I'm not, I'm not going anywhere here except for, all of a sudden, we begin to view things with the wrong heart. We begin to see things in a different perspective. Now, let me, let me get to the point here. It's, it's the point of the heart. I want our hearts. I want my heart. I mostly preach to myself. And as I face things through the week, through the month, through the year, I begin to just ask the Lord, what are you doing in me? And then I simply present what's on my heart to you most often. Josh Haas, four groups of people. First group, those with impure hearts, sin. Sin has gotten in there. There's something going on. There's sin clouding it. Um, lust, whatever it might be, sin, greed, you, you put it in there. We, we read the list from Mark earlier. The second group is hardened hearts. People whose hearts have gotten hardened based on circumstance, people, life, stuff, exposure, whatever. We all are going to have a different perspective, even culturally, based on how we grew up, what we've been exposed to, what we've been around, who we surround ourselves with, what we expose ourselves to. Hardened hearts. Third group, those whose hearts have been hurt by others or situations. You may not have done anything, but if you were abused or something happened to you, your heart now has, has this, this cracks and these crevices and this brokenness in it that even you yourself maybe didn't do, but now you pay the price for and you are affected by. And the last one is this, broken or lonely hearts. Hearts that have, have been hope deferred and they're heart sick because some things haven't happened. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's you, you, you desire a spouse and, and you're still single or you desire children and, and you can't. It's that loneliness or that heartbreak or, or maybe a loss of a loved one. Maybe you thought they would, they would live or, or they would be healed or, or whatever the plethora of that is. So there's four groups, impure, hardened, hurt, and hope deferred. Let me read those again. I just realized they all had H's. I was like, that's, that's, that's preachable there. Impure. Oh, that wasn't an H. I saw a heart. That wasn't an H. Unhealthy. We're getting closer. I can't, I can't think of it. Impure, hardened, hurt, heart sick. Okay. Now, yesterday, we, uh, we had Sabbath, thankfully. We didn't have volleyball tournaments yesterday and slept in. I made some really good coffee. I listened to lots of podcasts. I read my Bible for a very long time. I ice bathed. I burned um, clean, dry, legal stuff. 
in some boxes, just to be really honest. Um, got in a hot, like I had, we had a great day. We played family games, but we had breakfast, and at breakfast, um, I wanted to read Mark to them. I wanted to read the scripture, and then we do communion most often on our Sabbaths when we, when we have one. We sat down, and, and I just, it brought me back to the verse that talks about his blood washing us as pure as snow. Now, I go to bed. We were up very, very late. I was dealing with a lot of things, returning. I was trying to catch up on emails for the expansion project. So I think I sent about 14 emails between the hours of 12 and 2 a.m. And uh, just trying to get caught up. And I go to bed. It's nasty. It's muddy. Right? Anybody else? My daughters were playing in T-shirts, volleyball, out in the yard Friday evening. And I wake up Saturday morning. I wanted to sleep in. It was so bright and coming in our window, but it was beautiful. And I look out, and everything's just covered with a white blanket. So we go to communion, and it just got brought to my attention the verse that mentions his blood covering us as pure and cleansing us as, as white as snow. So I began to just pray that over my family in the blood. Um, can we have the ushers pass out communion right now? Or some volunteers, or just, just help with that. Pass them like we do the offering. So I begin to just press into this, and we're going to end, end through communion today. And the Lord began to give me a picture. I find it interesting that the Bible would write about some of this, especially where they were geographically. But anyway, so it's referencing snow and the blood. And I just remember how nasty it was and muddy the day before. But then with the snow covering it, you saw none of that. It was beautiful and clean and pristine. Anybody feel that yesterday? You went to bed one way, you woke up another. And, and I just remember thinking, and his blood covers us like snow. His blood, and, and it, it goes in, it covers every crevice, every crack, every mud hole, every limb that's on the ground. At my house, we have a lot of them. Every weed all these nasty things, right? His blood flows into us. The blood from Calvary. The blood that was shed. And it says that it covers us and purifies us and cleanses us as white as snow. Think about that. Just, just take that imagery from yesterday. All of a sudden, there's a blanket of snow covering everything, and you see no nasty gray-brown that's in Ohio right now. But you know what we could see through the snow? We saw our plants starting to pop and bloom. We saw the daffodils coming up, the daisies, the daylilies starting to, to come up through that snow. And I feel like that was a word from the Lord for us today, is that, that I don't always have a pure heart. I'm just going to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a human. I'm a man. I'm selfish. I get influenced. I get frustrated. I get angry. I get disappointed. I get let down. I get tempted. This is feelings that, that we go through, right? But then I just rely on Jesus' blood to take care of it. I rely on Jesus' blood to cleanse our land. I rely on Jesus' blood to cover iniquities. I rely on Jesus' blood to, to heal the brokenhearted. 
I rely on Jesus' blood to take care of that sin. I rely on Jesus' blood to make all things new. I rely on Jesus' blood to redeem, to restore, to give grace, to give mercy, to forgive, to heal. When I begin to see the power in Jesus' blood, all of a sudden my heart's transformed and his blood begins to flow into my heart and my heart is totally changed. I felt that today. And how I felt that was that you in groups could go over this and, and, and pray. I'll do the bread and then I'm gonna leave the blood up to you in small groups as if we were at the tables again. And as if we're, we're in that place to where you could maybe just share what one of the four areas are you? Are you dealing with, and, and, and please be safe. We've went over this during the table event, but if you weren't here, what happens in this room, in these circles, in these prayer times, even up here with our prayer team members, it stays here and it literally gets covered by the blood, never to be revisited or shared at dinner or shared in your home or to your kids or anything else. My kids sometimes get so mad at us because we forget to tell them things, but most often we just don't tell them things because it's not their business. We're like, and what we tell them, we're like, nope, not telling you. We're protecting them and we're protecting you. We're not doing gossip. We're not doing discord. We're not, we're not airing people's laundry. So I do ask that today. But I'm going to, the impure heart, the hardened heart, the heart, sick heart, and the hurt heart. <laughs> I went in a little different order. But where do you fall? And where do you need the blood to cleanse and cover you and wash you pure as snow? That we will have the heart of Jesus. That's a dangerous prayer. Right, Kira? That's a dangerous prayer. God, give me your heart. God, let me have your heart. All right, let me, let me seal the deal here. Take your bread out. Clean hands come from a pure heart. A mouth that will edify, comfort, exhort. A mouth that will spread life and not death. A mouth that will sow seeds of hope in Jesus come from a pure heart, come from his heart. On the cross, you know, there was a moment where Jesus was a little brokenhearted. Father, why have you forsaken me? But then, because the joy set before him, he endured it, and he was broken so we could be whole. His body took the price so that we can walk in wholeness, that I can walk with a healed heart, a, a heart that's not hope deferred, a heart that's full of hope. That's, that's the heart and the promise I get to walk in, a heart that, that isn't depressed and wanting to commit suicide or, or not knowing the way out. Josh had a word this morning that people might be walking in here with anxiety, depression, or not knowing what's next. After I break bread, I want to pray for you, even maybe a spirit of suicide. Listen, we're, we're just going to get real. Some of those even things of those conditions of the heart, whether you've done something or something's been done to you, may lead you to that place of hopelessness and that hope deferred that you don't know another way out. I'm telling you there is another way out. His name's Jesus, and it's so worth it, and he's good. And his blood paid a price for that. And you're not weird or dumb or insignificant. You're not less than if you're having these feelings. Let me just tell you this. Jesus paid a price for it once and for all for you to be whole and walk in wholeness, whatever that is. So let's break the bread. Lord, we thank you for this bread. I thank you for your body, that it represents your body. And as we do this, we do it to remember what you have done and who you are in your body and the price you paid, God, that you were broken for us to be whole, 
your body was broken for us and your body on earth here as the bride to be whole. And God, I just pray right now for any division that's among us, any division that are in homes or marriages. I pray for any division that's among the bride, the body of Christ. I pray for any, any division, the divisions that are in our culture, God. And I pray that at least the believers will get your heart to look at people with your eyes. Not to condone sin, not to, not to get into that, that, that stuff. Lord, we thank you for your body and what it did and the price it paid him and the why. God, we thank you for the why. We thank you for wholeness. Just hold that bread. I'm going to pray for you. If you walk in depressed, with anxiety, with hopelessness, maybe even suicidal tendencies, ideations, fantasies, thoughts, or even the, the temptation of it, God, we speak life right now in the name of Jesus. That your body was paid to give us hope. That it was put back together and resurrected, God. That you conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you are whole, sitting in heaven with the Father. You are good. And you invite us of the hope of eternity and the hope of life and abundant life on earth. As John 10.10 10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So we thank you for the life, Jesus, that you paid for your with your body. We speak against loneliness and hope deferred. We speak against broken hearts, and we speak against um, heart issues. We speak against, um, Lord, even impure hearts or hardened hearts or hurt hearts. We thank you that your body paid a price. We could be whole, and our hearts could be pure and on fire for you. get in your groups. I, I don't care who you get with. Sometimes it's better to move out of your comfort zone a little bit and not just be with your family. Um, I would encourage leaders maybe to pop in somewhere and just, just groups of four, five, six, whatever. No, no rules. And just begin to share. And this is how we're going to end service. They're going to sing a song and we're going to end service this way. Where do you need the blood to cleanse, cover, purify, or work on your heart? God bless you guys. His blood is powerful, and it speaks a better word than we even see. Can I speak one more thing? His blood paid a price. Where our conversation got yesterday, I forgot to mention this, was the things that are done to you, the injustices. The injustices that are in our life, in society, in those things. His blood speaks a better word against injustices, things that have happened to you. I know it was under that category, but I forgot to mention I, we began to talk as a family yesterday, injustices that have happened in our lives, injustices to the girls, injustices to me, what I've had to face. And his blood covers every injustice, and it speaks a better word, which means it speaks a better word than what I can see. And it's that whole principle of the, the snow covering it, that who knows what's going on under it, but it is good. What's happening right now uh, in our land and what's happening, what's dormant, what's, what's been working in the freezing and the thawing and all of that in our soil, it's good. And although we can't see what's happening underneath there, it's good. In his blood, it cleanses and it covers us. And I trust, just trust him and I'm telling you this, he's already gone before us and his blood is powerful and it does speak a better word. So God bless you guys. Uh, just begin to release his blood and his goodness on each other. Bless you guys.